Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to Let Freedom Reign podcast. Before we get started, I just want to let you know, this episode is brought to you by Buckaroo Media, a digital marketing company that focuses on social media that cultivates relationships between brands and their customers. Buckaroo Media prides themselves on building genuine and authentic connections. Digital marketing doesn't have to be overwhelming or overly time-consuming. With Buckaroo Media on your team, you are free to focus on the areas of your business which you are most passionate about, and let Buckaroo Media handle the rest. Check them out on Instagram at buckaroo.media or Facebook at Buckaroo Media. For more information about Buckaroo Media and how they can grow your Western brand, visit buckaroomedia.com. B-U-C-K-A-R-O-O-M-E-D-I-A.com. Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. You know, the last couple weeks we've been out on the road and got to experience an amazing trip up to Canada. This week features the much-anticipated event recap episode of Heart of the Horse. A huge thank you is deserved to Nikki and Dustin Flunder and the rest of the staff who participated in the event and welcomed us with open arms. It was great to get up there and meet former guests in person as well as many of our fans. In this episode, you will hear from both Nikki and Dustin Flundra, the event competitors, event contributors, and fans alike. And if you find value in this episode, please give us a five-star rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We start this episode on day two of Heart of the Horse with event competitor Matt Robertson and Paige Calloway. So we are here with Matt Robertson and Paige Calloway at Heart of the Horse. We're halfway through day number two, and I just wanted to thank you guys for making time in this busy, busy schedule um, to come up and visit at the booth and kind of catch up from the last time we talked. So, yeah, thanks for having us up here. Thank you very much. So Matt, what's new for you since the last time we talked? Well, what's new for me? I've got uh, my job is kind of winding down. I work where I work is a seasonal job and we didn't have a lot of rain. So we shipped all the cows out about two weeks ago. And, um, so I'm going to be basically unemployed come October 1st. And, uh, I've got some outside horses I'm going to take and ride for a month. And then we're kind of working on some other stuff. So that's, you know, a lot of little uncertainty in the future, but it's always exciting. And I know we talked a little bit about your music. Uh, you said you've been spending a lot of time writing recently, yeah? Yeah. I've How's been, that going? Um, really good. I've written a, a couple, I don't know, three, four songs in the last couple of months, I guess, And um, which is a, a, you know, a guy can either write a lot of bad songs or a few good ones, and <laughs> I wrote, I've wrote a few good, I've written a few good ones lately, so good it's, stuff, it's exciting. I'm going to be working on an album and... That's another thing that's coming up. So, yeah. So, we're going to be busy. Paige, how's things been for you getting ready for this event and the travel and everything in preparation for Heart of the Horse? They've been good. We were keeping busy. Like Matt said, all the cows went home earlier in the month. So, that was a busy week or 10 days for us. And then uh, we had a couple two year olds that Matt practiced on and worked on. And he's had outside horses all summer. And some of them were colts to be started. So, he's been pretty fresh at it. And I've been busy with my own work and trying to help Matt where I can and ride my horse. And it's been good, though. Good stuff. Good stuff. So let's talk a little bit about last night. Last night was day one of the event. We got started in the afternoon. They brought the Ramuda out. You guys got 
got to take a chance and look at all the horses. Let's talk about the two horses that you selected and kind of why you went with the horses that you went with. Well, I got lucky and I got the first draw. And so that was one out of six. And um, I just looked at the horse. He looked kind of smart to me. I kind of liked the way he was put together, the way he moved. And he kind of looked like he might want to do his own thing, which is all right for the type of horses I like to be around. So I picked him. The second horse got picked for me because by the time that all went around to the last pick he was the only one that was left I was going to say the last one was kind of by default so there wasn't much picking going on at that point yeah the nice thing is though like all six of them it's a pretty even pen of colts to be picking from so getting first pick and last pick it wasn't very much degree of separation in the quality of colt and exactly that it looked like it looked like even though this last horse was a quote-unquote default horse, I mean, there's still something there to work with, right? It's oh, not like sure. not like there were any outliers in the bunch. Oh, for sure, yeah. And I might have, in hindsight, maybe I should have kept with that one, you know, so I don't but know. We never know, right? No. We never know. We always take a chance on it. So let's move on to um, your basically your 15-minute assessment period, right? So you're allotted 15 minutes with each horse. Paige, you're watching in as a wrangler for Matt. Yeah. Um, what were kind of your observations on each of the horse? And then we'll go with why did you make the selection of the horse you decided to work with? Well, my observation of the horse was um, he... I stepped over the pen and he didn't run away from me and he was just kind of right there and curious about me and I could walk up to him and catch him and that was a big deal for me because I want him to like me in hindsight you know those types of horses they might be a little more brave so they might have a stubborn streak in them to want to go to to do things your way and not their way and but that's the whole thing of what we're doing with any of them so um i would say you know when i moved them around at in that 15 minutes i like to push those horses away from me and bring them back to me sort of like my demonstration i was doing and um he took that pretty good he's a little bit one-sided but i thought you know that was pretty good and i worked with that second colt and similar situation i kind of had to sneak him to catch him that horse seemed to just a touch more flighty or sensitive Very, to me from yeah. up here in the booth, but yeah, he was. He, he he was heads up, and you know, just like with my saddle horse here recently, you bring a horse to town, and there's all these lights and people and noise, and oh, yeah. there's production here, and it's awesome, but it's tough on a horse. And I thought that little guy kind of took that in stride. Yeah, and it's tough, right? Because all of this is so foreign. Yeah. You know, for a lot of these horses that are actual working horses. I mean, they're out in open country. They're out running around. There's not the stimulation of lights and huge fans and fire and all the production that's going on. So, I mean, that alone creates its own element of challenge, let alone starting a horse at face yeah, value. a bunch of these colts, they've probably never even been in a building in their life. <laughs> they've hardly even seen a human being, yeah. right? Yeah. So, Paige, while, while Matt's working through these two colts, explain a little bit about your role and your observations and kind of how you are working together with Matt. Um, to accomplish your goals in that pen? Um, I do my best to read his mind. I kind of, I watch the horse and watch how the horse is going because I know how Matt works and how he, yeah. what he looks for in his horses. And I try to be an extra set of eyes on that. And then I try to have stuff there for him when he needs a drink or a break or equipment, then I have that. And when I watch both those colts work, he got that sorrel horse haltered right away or quicker than the yellow horse. But 
I wasn't looking at it so much as progression as to the response, like how mm-hmm. willing they were coming mm-hmm. back, looking at him, mm-hmm. wanting to work. Because if they're going to do that in the first 15 minutes, they're probably going to want to work and learn down yeah. the road. And Matt didn't say this, but after his first cult, he comes over and he goes, well, that's it. I don't need to work my second. I'm going to keep this. <laughs> and I'm like, well, should I tell them or do I? And I said, I think you have to play by the rules here and yeah, let yeah, that cult yeah. out. And he's like, well, I don't want the other cult. I know what I want. And I'm like, well, that's good. You have a strong sense of what you want. But I think you need to see this yellow horse. And- I'll tell you what, at the point that that cult basically walked up and handed his head to you. Um, for me, I said, that's something special right there to work with, right? I mean, that horse was very, very comfortable with you. It seemed like there was a connection at face value. I see what you're saying as far as that personality could be a little bit more challenging down the road, but yeah. um, almost a rare occurrence working colts. Yeah. And then, you know, you go from that to, I was the only guy that didn't get on my horse yesterday and and the little bugger was tight right to the end and you know i think i got a lot done i got a lot done with them and i've got a lot of ways to go and to maybe make up some ground but i think that ground will be made up today with all the preparation that i did on them yesterday so and i think what's cool about this event and kind of unique to this event right is just what we talked about a lot of people place the the value in okay how fast are these horses getting saddled how fast are these horses getting ridden well if you really focus on horsemanship right sometimes that stuff doesn't matter and it's completely irrelevant you know and i like that all of you guys have your own unique approaches and you're following your timeline yes we're working under time compression circumstances right there is a standard a time limit but you're not unnecessarily pushing the envelope just to say you're the first guy to saddle or you're the first guy to ride. Exactly. And I think, too, a horse like that Colt Matt has, he's a pretty courageous little horse to come over to Matt. And those horses, like, they don't take the fall apart put together very well. They do better with step-by-step, build their courage, build their trust, and then you have a solid foundation. And there are some horses that handle it better to you know, kind of let him fall apart and put him back together and carry mm-hmm. it through. But I think just his personality that what Matt did yesterday to build a solid foundation was a smart move for that horse for the weekend and just the rest of that horse's life. And I was excited to sit here and watch you work that horse, right? And then you brought in the saddle horse. I mean, we talked a little bit last night after the event, the diligent pace in which you work, right? You just test the horse a little bit. The horse takes well to it. Test him a little bit more, takes well to it. It was never the extremes, right? Of a horse losing its cool, then you got to bring him off of that and then reintroduce something. I mean, it was just a very steady, diligent pace. And in the observations here from the booth, it looked like the horse took very, very well to everything. Well, I appreciate that. I, I don't always know what it looks like from the outside, you know. So I'm going through a lot of things on the inside of me, and so I don't know what you see, but I, I appreciate that. So let's talk about this because it's difficult for a lot of people. We don't we don't compete at the level that you compete, right? So it's got to be so difficult to manage your own emotion and the excitement of everything, right? The production, the competition, the the rigorous work schedule. What do you do to kind of help focus and ground yourself to better the horse out there in the arena? Well, you know, that's a funny question because, um, you know, I was scheduled to play music last night after the event and I worked hard all day working that horse and um, we came up to the round pen after they let the horses out and they were questioning us and the girl said, so you're going to play music now, right? And I said, I am. And I completely <laughs> forgot that I was, you know, yeah. that's how, that's how I, and it was surprised myself because I've never done one of these things, but I've, I've poured my heart and soul for a long time into trying to get into a horse's mind. And when I'm in there doing what I'm doing, I must go 
I must go to a, a special place. And I know that in the past I've had to really manage my emotions. Um, and I've learned to do that, I feel. And especially here where there's a lot of people watching and there's a lot of people rooting for you, you owe it to the horse, you owe it to the crowd, and you owe it to yourself to keep yourself under control and to have that steadiness and to just work with confidence because if you lose any amount of confidence, the horse knows it, the crowd knows it, and you know it. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be tough to overcome. And Paige, uh, your plate is almost more full than him because not only do you have to watch the horse, but you got to watch him as well, right? So what are some things that you were doing to help support his cause and Matt's effort in the arena as far as watching the horse's responses or making sure that Matt was working at a correct pace? Um, I kept in touch with him just either through eye contact and expressions or through words and just making sure he's okay, he knows his time, he has the things he needs there to get the job done, um, put his horse in the pen, take his horse out, and just have that support there for him. And I think, too, just having somebody there that you can connect with and be like, we're good, and I'm watching that horse. And I think that that alone is a little bit of support. And I joke, like, sometimes sitting on the side is as hard as doing the work because I'm somewhat helpless out there, right? Yeah. Whereas Matt gets to go ahead and do the work. So, But no, I, I thought it went great and I thought it was a good, a good first ride or first go for that goal. I'll tell you what, we both had conversations previous to this. It's been exciting to watch all the work, watch it happen in real life. We wish you guys the best of luck through the rest of the competition and maybe we'll talk to you Sunday a little bit more after the show, huh? All right, thanks, man. Thanks Appreciate guys it. very much Thank for your time. You. Next up is Dan James, who was kind enough to give us a few minutes of his time in between his clinic and getting ready for a second two-hour session at Heart of the Horse. Here is Dan James. So we were here with Dan James halfway through day number two. And Dan, we're going to probably work at a little bit quicker pace than normal. You just finished your clinic and you got to get back down for your second session of two hours with your colt. Um, but what do you think of this show as compared to other Colt starting competitions you participated in. I mean, you got quite the resume to balance against, and uh, I think what Nikki's doing for the Colt starting world is pretty impressive. Yeah, mate, I think that, it, you know, she, her and Dustin both, they took on a huge, um, you know, task to putting together this event. And, you know, for the, for particularly for its first year, um, to see the production side of it, to see, uh, you know, the number of people that have turned up today, I think they're, you know, they're really hitting a home run with it. Um, you know, and just know how much goes into one of these. So, you know, like, I think that there's only going to be, as time goes on, that this event um, is just going to continue to grow. I think it's going to gain some great momentum um, after this first year. And I was talking to Nikki and Dustin earlier this morning, and they mentioned that, right, that there's there's been some challenges and some hurdles, but that's got to be expected in a first year. And despite all those challenges and hurdles, I mean, I think this is, this is very impressive what they put together. I truly think it's a game changer in the cold starting industry as far as competition goes. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of those cold starting events out there, and um, there's very few of them that I feel like that uh, do anything to the level that Nikki and Dustin have already put together for this first year. So let's talk a little bit about Colt selection. Last night during night number one, uh, they ran six horses out, right? You all got a chance to take a look at the horses. Let's talk about the two that you selected and why you made those selections. You know, that's always one of the most nerve-wracking uh, parts, I guess, in some degrees. Um, you know, I don't know that I've got a like a great way of... Uh, of my selection process, I try to always just look at it of being like, does that look like a horse I'd like to own or I'd like to have? And uh, when I seen, uh, initially when I seen the little, uh, the buckskin, the, I think it had draw number one on it, I really liked the way that it moved around the around the pen. It just kind of had really nice movement. 
Um, the other colt, he looked like he was uh, a little big, a little more robust. And at these deals, it's you know it can be so tricky the amount of work that you're asking to do on these horses that if you don't have enough horse, it's hard to get to the finish line. So I kind of tried to select, you know, a little bit of both of that in, in each of those colts um the philly you know phillies can be they can be so tricky at these deals they can kind of stall up real quick on you um not to say that a gelding can't but more likely it's going to typically get that response in the in those phillies so ultimately the decision between the two just came down to it was a you know a philly and a mm-hmm. and a colt mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what, the, the horse purchasing process is inherently difficult for folks when you get weeks to look at a horse or days to look at a horse or you get to ride it a few times. I mean, for you guys to pull off what you pull off in two minutes of watching some horses do a little herd work together, it's pretty impressive to to make the selection with the accuracy in what you guys do. Sure. You, you bet. I think there's there's definitely a lot more uh, good luck than good judgment, though. In there. <laughs> Sometimes we'll take that luck, right? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, let's talk about last night. Um, you got in the pen with with your horse, and you got right to work. And it's interesting to watch you um, and your wife Liz outside the arena, keeping an eye on you. Let's talk about kind of the pace and and how you guys stay on track. Because as we watch you work throughout the night, I mean, you're taking your breaks frequently for the horse. You're right back to Elizabeth. You know, it seems like there's some kind of dialogue, and then boom, you're right back in the pen to work. Yeah, I mean, Elizabeth did a great job in, in not only keeping uh, track and time, but just an overview of like how that she thought the progression and that was going. And, you know, she's watched me do this enough to kind of know where I'd like to be at it at certain uh, points. So that part was, um, you know, great having her for the first time really on the arena floor in a competition situation. And yeah, look, uh, like I feel like that we, we step in and, uh, you know, with that colt last night, I really felt like I needed to kind of get to the depths of him. Uh, to help set me up for the next couple of days. And I'll tell you what is interesting from the booth's perspective to watch you really work on that connection right out the gate, right? Really solidify that connection, really solidify that learning process. And it seems like once you guys turn that corner of kind of figuring each other out, I mean, you, you mashed a gas pedal and really were challenging that horse. And that horse was very willing and accepting of all those challenges. Yeah. And, you know, look, one of the one of the people that is, you know, that I just give so much credit to in, in, in this situation, particularly when it comes to these cold starting and these events is, um, of course, Chris Cox. And, you know, just some of the uh, insights that he sort of shared with me has really uh, helped me to identify those things uh, very early on. Uh, look for that connection in that in that cult, uh, you know, being able to guide and direct him, uh, you know, getting him traveling out. So, you know, I certainly, uh, you know, yeah, want to always um, identify that as being a big part in changing what I do. So the greatest part that I've seen in this in this competition thus far is it. Yes, we're working on a compressed time frame, right? And there is that standard in which you got to uphold too. However, there's not the compromise in horsemanship, right, for the sake of progression. Yeah. So when you work early on with a horse, um, in furtherance of horsemanship education, right, and one of the values of this show, what are some of the things that you look for in a horse to understand that you are starting to develop that draw, or develop that connection? Yeah, so, you know, some of the attributes I was looking last night is that when I would pick up um, and, and go to send that horse off. I'd go through that queuing. So, you know, kiss or clock to him, you know, swing that rope a little bit. And the moment that he doesn't go, you know, reach out and tag him with that end of that rope. Because as I hop on the ride, I want that kind of same queue system is starting to be built. Um, I'm also looking at when I pick up on that lead rope or that uh, rein for direction, I want him to start to look to follow that direction. Because when we, excuse me, when we get outside in that bigger area, that part's going to be super important. Yeah. 
keep that horse's attention, keep that horse's yeah. focus. So you just finished up a clinic right now. You discussed a little bit about creating drive and, and interest in a horse. Uh, and then you did a little bit of liberty work. Talk about your training progressions in that clinic and, and what you were trying to instill with the crowd here today. Yeah, I think the, the main principle I wanted to kind of get across to um, the audience today was looking at the principle of being able to create and take pressure and then let the release be the reward, but also not just the reward, but the movement that we desire. Um, and in that, it helps to create the desire of the horse. We used um, two different aspects. The first part was from a from more of a reining type base and looking at the spin. Um, you know, taking the concept of saying, okay, I want the horse to spin when I offer it to him and that he desires to go to it rather than me putting pressure on him in the spin and making the spin happen. So I put my pressure outside of the spin and then allowed the horse to go to it when he went to it you know we allowed him to take that so to me that was um you know like a really crucial uh you know part in, in helping to relay that principle of of training and then with the liberty horse uh you know same kind of deal uh we're looking at controlling the direction the change of direction and drawing of the eye and when i step in and place that pressure on that eye that that horse is looking to respond and, and uh, come towards me it was great watching the demonstration when you're creating the desire in that horse to spin because i think a common hurdle amongst horsemen is just is just that, right? We're seeking a desired physical response, right? And after that physical response is accomplished, then the reward comes the release, right? Yeah. So improving that timing and, and giving that release when the action is desired action is taking place is where you really, really create that desire. Yeah. I mean, I found it very, very fascinating in the way you explained it, the way you demonstrated it and in increasing your the effectiveness of a horseman's timing. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. Good stuff. So what's in store the rest of the weekend? I know we got a two-hour session coming up. we got to get you down in the arena for intros. Yeah, mate, it's, uh, it is coming around pretty quickly here for us to get back into this second uh, round of the cold starting. And then uh, tonight, I know Nikki's got in store a pretty great uh, you know, show in store for us tonight. Good stuff. Well, we wish you the best of luck in the rest of the weekend and, and any of your future endeavors. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you a little bit more on Sunday, huh? Mate, thanks for having us. Appreciate you, it. See ya. I had an interesting conversation with Dr. Don Smith of Canadian Pro Rodeo Sports Medicine. In this excerpt, he gives a brief description of what the program entails, and in future episodes, we'd like to develop further what Canadian Pro Rodeo Sports Medicine offers their athletes. Here is Dr. Don Smith. So we have the privilege of sitting down with Dr. Don Smith, who is a chiropractor by trade and currently involved with Canadian Pro Rodeo Sports Medicine. Don, thank you very much for coming on the show and setting a little time aside for everybody here at Let Freedom Reign. It's great to be here, and it's great to be at Heart of the Horse and enjoying that, and uh, really looking forward what to... What an incredible event Nikki's put together, oh, huh? Unbelievable. So how much experience do you have in, in participating or even witnessing events like this? I know your background is primarily pro rodeo. We primarily do uh, rodeo and bull riding and those kind of events, and equestrian events like this where it's horse training, a little different, but uh, what I found is it's most fascinating to think about the other practitioners that are here, that uh, have different viewpoints and different uh, treatment options, treating animals and that. Uh, very exciting. And I'll tell you, very much of this uh, event is founded in education, right? And I'll tell you, we're a day and a half, two days in, and there is no shortage of education or educational experience here at this event. Well, even watching some of the barrel racing this morning where they, uh, Amber Lee Snyder worked with the rail racers, the differences between when she started and when she finished it's about the heart. It's about the heart for what you do. Um, I have a heart for sport medicine, and I've loved it. It's uh, been an incredible ride for me over the last 25 years of being involved with sport medicine, and uh, really enjoy it. So 
you touched on it. It's incredible to see how efficient these horsemen and horsewomen can be, right, when you place the emphasis on the horse rather than the event or the task at hand. And in referencing your history and your experience in the medical field, let's talk a little bit about how you kind of got started, uh, not only in the trade uh, of chiropractic medicine, but how you got involved in, in sports medicine in the rodeo industry. Right. I got involved because of uh, Dale Butterworth and Dexter Nelson, some of the uh, two of the early athletic therapists that started this program. And uh, thanks to them, they were open in their minds and their hearts to include uh, chiropractors, massage therapists, some of our physicians, sports physicians that work with this. So I was in on the early stages and uh, I just kept showing up. I had some kind of interest. I, I didn't totally understand Cowboys very much. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if that was something for me, but uh, I liked the team aspect. I liked the fact that we all work together. And when you compare it to horse training, uh, horse trainers always put the horse first. In our situation, it's always a cowboy first. It's no one particular technique. It's not that I'm a chiropractor on the team and my stuff is great and better than someone else. It's about all of us put together. So when someone wins something like the Calgary Stampede, uh, they thank the team. It doesn't matter who got them there. We all got them there. So I want to develop that point further. We had a conversation last night about team dynamic, right, and how that plays a role. And in this case, in an athlete's success, if we could further de- develop the composition of the team in Canadian pro rodeo sports medicine and kind of how everybody's role plays plays an impact. Right. So it's, uh, it's similar to Justin Sport Medicine in the United States. Our counterpart, uh, Canadian pro rodeo sport medicine, uh, is formed by athletic therapists, chiropractors, massage therapists, and a group of physicians, uh, depending right across Canada, actually, that are willing to come out and share their expertise. Uh, we've had a kinesiologist in terms of exercises, things like that. So the way it works, uh, I've worked with our orthopedic surgeon, for example, and uh, it's not who has a title or, or where they are in, in the pecking order of healthcare mm-hmm. on the outside of rodeo. It's when you're in that room and you've got a bull rider coming in that needs help. It's all of us deciding as a team, what's the most important thing we can do for that cowboy on this day? What combination of treatments? Sometimes I've said to world champs, I don't feel like treating it. It's not right. It's just not a good day for it. But let's take you over here and we'll get this person to have a look. And that's the value of team. And once you get comfortable with team, there is nothing better than that. So in addition to acute care, right, injuries in the arena, I mean, what other purposes do you serve as far as rehabilitation efforts or helping people come back after extended or more chronic type injuries? Compared to when I started, when I first started uh, rodeo, uh, there was uh, very few of the Cowboys uh, had any kind of care beyond the rodeo circuit. They would, uh, you know, and we find that in the amateur circuit right now is just they're not, ex- not exposed to care at all. So that what we have, the biggest role we play is in rehabilitation and getting uh, contestants back out in their communities to find a team of practitioners that can take care of them in those kind of settings. So in other words, it's not just about acute care. It's basically, it's the follow-up care. We can also help to navigate them through the system if they need more diagnostic imaging, if they need to see a specialist. We have that arranged uh, through the University of Calgary and other centers where we can get them quick access and, and take care of them. It's incredible, and there's always the the argument that rodeo athletes aren't quote-unquote professional athletes, which I completely disagree with myself. 
Um, it's incredible to see a lot of these athletes. I mean, rodeo is their second career, right? Whether they're in ranching or farming or working horses and things of that sort. So I think it's incredible that you guys take a sincere and genuine approach in keeping them healthy, not only for their rodeo career, but for any career that they have outside of, of yeah, the arena. In fact, at the pro level, of course, it is their job, and that is the number one thing that they do. And they take it seriously. I mean, these guys... Uh, they, they do their exercise, they do mental visualization, they prepare, they condition. It, it's a big deal. What Pro Rodeo Canada has done is it's taken our team, the, the Canadian Pro Rodeo Sport Medicine team, and they've put us at, at the Canadian uh, Cowboys Association finals in Swift Current because we're the ambassadors. We're going to help the up-and-coming understand the importance of sport medicine and the importance of taking care of yourself early not leaving it. And how much has the game changed in your experience from days of old where it's an ice bag and aspirin to, to I mean, true athletic training? I mean, guys are trying to improve by fractions and fractions of a percentage. Well, the difference is, is that we now see, if you want to see the team uh, in action, say Calgary Stampede, you want to see this excellent sport medicine team, come two hours before the rodeo. That's when we do all our care. We are so busy. Uh, we've got maybe 20, 30 cowboys getting some kind of care. After the rodeo, it is true. It's a lot of ice bags and yeah. sometimes paramedics. It's, knock, it's the way it goes, right? <laughs> yeah, or we'll see them the next day. So it's like it's – the reality is is these guys have it right. Um, they they see us before they perform rather than after. Yes. Yes, we'll deal with them after. There's no question about that. But they get the concept, which a lot of people – Outside of rodeo, don't understand. They wait until something happens. Cowboys know that their performance depends on function and, and being at their best. That's where we come in. Really placing an emphasis on that preventative care. Get there early. Get your adjustment. I mean, it's it's always a scramble with the uh, the barrel racers who have a lot of work to do with horses and things like that. Whenever they come, we're always busy with the rough stock guys. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to extend our team out to barrel racing as well so we can make sure we're, we're getting all the athletes involved. So let's talk a little bit about the Canadian Pro Rodeo Sports Medicine uh, schedule. Uh, obviously, you follow the rodeo season. How many events do you hit a year or, or we, what locations do you cover? We cover all across Canada. So, so right now, it's split between um, we do uh, probably about 60 uh, rodeos through the year. We balance off the rest. Uh, between rodeo and special events, we take care of the chuck wagon drivers during the Calgary Stampede, which so could have some real big crashes. Huh? That's that's a new experience <laughs> for us. So they're getting used to us, and we're they're they're understanding how this plays into performance. It's the only time in the circuit we do see them, so it's nine days where we get the chance to work with them. But we do 179 performances uh, through the year. Uh, it requires uh, about 60 practitioners, and in fact, they're working a pro rodeo as we speak now. They're they're in uh, Willow Park working a rodeo. Sometimes we'll have three rodeos on a weekend or bull riding. So we do the Canadian PBR circuit, and we thanks to the Thai Posabon Foundation, and we do the rodeo circuit. Good stuff. So how does and very briefly, how does the Thai Posabon Foundation tie into the sports medicine team? They've been awesome, and it, it, it's that realization. So the the uh, the pendulum swung on concussions, where uh, everybody says, "Oh, you've got a concussion, you can't participate in all that kind of stuff." So Thai Posabon, after uh, Thai unfortunately lost his life there. Um, they stepped up and, and uh, to raise awareness about concussions, and they've done a super job in supporting us, getting us out to rodeos. We would not be at bull riding if it wasn't for Ty Posebon Foundation, as a and and it's, it's a fantastic, uh, dedicated uh, 
group of family and, and, and support staff that do a good rate. And good what's job. incredible, uh, what's incredible with foundations such as, as ties is that they start the conversation, right? And the change does not take place unless we start talking about things and bring it to the forefront and start focusing on public education. Yeah, and I think it was uh, Nikki Flunder's uh, husband, Dustin, that came up with the phrase, are you tough enough not to ride? And, and unfortunately, for years, we didn't ask that question. Yeah. They're bull riders. Yeah. We expected them yeah. to ride. Yeah. Now now we understand, and it, it, it's really changed. That's been the most significant change in concussion management. They're not afraid to say, look, I don't feel good. Something's not right. And they're seeking help, and they're they're trusting us to be the caregivers for that and get them to the right spot. I think it's exciting to see the pendulum swing, right, and see the cultural shift as far as taking care of your body because yeah. – Rodeo is going to stop at some point wow. for everybody. You, you can't you can't kill every sport. I mean, yeah. because of concussions. Now we realize that. Uh, I think the uh, Olympic Committee in Canada has 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 one simple way to tell if you if you exercise and you get physically sick, your brain's not healed. Yeah. So there's, there's, we're trying to find better ways to say, okay, some people should get back into consider a great percentage. So let's let's encourage them. Let's figure out ways that we can help them. Good stuff. So what are the, some of the challenges that your organization, as far as sports medicine goes, is faced with today? I mean, we talked kind of about the cultural shift in concussions. Are there other challenges that you're facing as far as public education or perception and things of that sort? Yeah, I think I think it's getting the message out to the public. It's one of those things where we'll go in and do a rodeo. No one knows we're there, particularly, unless yeah. there's some coverage locally. We, we do as best we can to uh, try to get out to functions like this to, to talk and to, to raise awareness that we are... We are here and that we're trying to do a good job we're kind of the silent players i mean we're out there just like justin sport medicine you're there and you're doing the best you can and uh our biggest challenge is getting a message out that uh look you know get involved with us and and uh uh, we've had people come and observe the program and that's fantastic that's incredible. Well, Don, I thank you very, very much for your time here at Heart of the Horse, and we look forward to learning more about the sports medicine side of, of Canadian Pro Rodeo, and we look forward to talking to you down the road. Well, thank you, and it's been an honor to be here. Thank you, Thank sir. you so much. My hat's off to Dustin Flunder. He was flying around the event and hustling from arena to meeting and back to the arena. Dustin and his crew did an incredible job setting up the pins, breaking down panels, and, and making sure this program stayed on track. Here's Dustin's take on Heart of the Horse and how it went from an idea to an industry-changing event. So we are here with Dustin Flundra, husband of Nikki, who's putting on this whole event here at Heart of the Horse. And in your experience, usually you ride the ones that fire off, and here we are sitting here trying to gentle them. I know you've been quite busy flying back and forth across the booth the last 48, 72 hours. How's this event gone for you guys, considering it's the inaugural event? It's been pretty awesome, to be honest with you, the way things have worked out. I mean, this is what Nikki dreamed of and the way it's basically it's going the way that she wanted it to right now. Uh, I mean, there's been some things that we've had to adjust and, you know, pick up on the fly and run with them. But uh, yeah, no, it's been going awesome. And to sit here and watch these three trainers that we got here at this deal and the their training styles and how every one of them is a little different but they're all you know their end game is yeah. the same is uh is pretty entertaining for me and to sit here and you know like as a guy that usually rides bucking horses or whatever i also <laughs> saddle have a, up cinch them up and let it go yeah yeah let's see how bad you can buck and let's go yeah like yeah. give me give me your best shot kind of thing uh i have a real appreciation for you know this kind of thing too i mean 
on the ranch, working on the ranch, start my own horses and stuff, or have started my own horses. I shouldn't say I do all of them. I yeah. bought them like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I have a real appreciation for this kind of work and the cowboy lifestyle and the stuff that people do with horses and for horses and what they do for us at home yeah. and in rodeo. And, I mean, they're a fairly, I would almost say they're, you know, they're a core foundation of mine and Nikki's life in one form or another, whether it's at home or with her horses on the shows or the movies or yeah. where they're at or this event or, you know, at home in the pasture, doctoring cows, moving cows are just recreational rodeo. I mean, they've, they've basically, you know, in yeah. both of our lives been a very major part in one form or another. And, uh, so it's, it's, we have a, we have an appreciation and we love horses and we appreciate it and we appreciate good horsemanship. And we appreciate good horse flesh, whether it's 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 incredible or to bucking see horses or all whatnot. of it, right? And we can hear the sounds of a whip cracking in the background with Glenn Stewart and uh, in his pen. And I think back in my experience with Nikki and our conversation in the episode we did uh, a while back, and just a very brief conversation at the end. And she discussed kind of the hopes and dreams, and hey, I want to do this in describing heart of the horse. And now to be up here and have boots on the ground in the arena seeing all this stuff come to light i mean you have a way better perspective of it because you've been living it for months and months and months but i mean there's got to be there's got to be huge amounts of pride to see all this stuff come to light oh yeah it's uh it's pretty special actually to like you know see one person's you know dream and you know what this is you know hope and wish or you know whatever you want to call it yeah that she had this vision and this plan and then to turn it around and have it come see it come full circle and have it be what it is today you know right here i mean it's it's year one uh and i think we're off and running the no, way this that is it's, definitely uh, in my opinion is a game going, changer it's awesome. yeah it is it's incredible to see the difference in styles between the horsemen right and their approaches to these horses and it's crazy to watch. I mean, we're overlooking grandstands right now that are darn well packed. I mean, we're, we're to the point where it's almost standing remotely. It's, it's crazy to see how vast the growth has been and the first crack at, at doing this. I mean, I, I could only imagine two, three, four years down the road what this thing develops I, into. I think it's limitless and the potential where it wants to go. And that's, that's what, you know, Nikki wanted and uh, to, wanted it to be, to become something yeah. that is going to grow and, you know, turn into something that's a year over year and really you know get big and but she wanted to grow it organically too she didn't want to be you know really big and be a one and done she wanted to small you know or a little smaller thing where we could control it and test waters and do some stuff because we don't really have a template to follow or a set of guidelines or whatever like everything that we're doing it's the first time we're doing it it on all we're We've we've wrote stuff out and we've planned stuff, but at the same time we've been calling audibles all week so yeah. far as it's gone. You know what? Once we've already, you know, once now that we're here and we're on the ground and things are happening, we've had to make changes too. And I think, you know, really the sky's the limit. It's only going to get better from here, and it's uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's actually, absolutely amazing. And I know you're in the fray of building arenas and breaking down panels and moving horses around and and maybe this thing grows one day where you could actually take a breath and sit down and watch a little bit of it huh maybe maybe that may have, could be year two three four who knows but uh yeah it, i mean we're busy we're busy setting up panels and getting colts and bringing horses in and you know grooming arenas and getting ready for shows and production stuff and all kinds of things and uh one day it'll go down but we're 
we like to be busy people too. I'll and tell you, you what, know, um, to, you guys have absolutely hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is this this production is a clear demonstration of the heart of the horse, right? In showing the value of what it can do for people, in showing the value of horsemanship itself, all the liberty work that's being done. The public education, the demonstrations, I mean, there is nothing that is not being touched by this production as far as public education pushing the envelope mm-hmm. and, and truly changing the game of what horsemanship is, right? I mean, we've been through the progression over the last years of the, the influx of the title natural horsemanship, but I mean, this event really gets down to the roots. There is all the production and all the show and the glitz and the glamour, but I mean, it is founded in what the horseman is yeah. intended to be. It's yeah, deep crazy. down, it's what the horse does for us, what it can do for us in so many different ways. I mean, it's, you know, it can heal us. It can help us. It's, I mean, it, it's been there. They're way more versatile than we are. I mean, the horse has been with us since, you know, basically beginning of time. Name a civilization that has not been influenced by the horse. Yeah. Right. You'd have to probably uh, be on my history knowledge. Now I'm I'm, I'm a a minor history buff, but yeah, I'd, (laughs) I'm public school educated, so it only goes yeah. so far, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just the, I mean, the difference in the horse trainers that we got, but the difference in the spectators that are coming here. We have everybody from, you know, the the old rancher here to yeah. the I mean, there's performance horse people, you know, the, barrel racers, the weekend yeah. kind of rider, or, you know, trail rider to, yeah, performance. I mean, we, there's, everybody is here spectating, yeah. and, and there's something here for everybody to take home and learn and make their go, go use it themselves or yeah. create their own yeah. interpretation yeah. of what they've learned and what they've seen and it's brought different horsemen together in the arena and outside of it and that's that's a pretty awesome thing well i'll tell you what dustin you guys should be very very proud of the work being done this weekend it truly is truly is an influential event in the horse industry and uh i won't take any more of your time because you probably got panels to break down or a stage <laughs> to build or water to fill somewhere so um, I thank you very much for setting some time aside for us and sharing. You bet. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for coming and being part of the very first one, too. Yes, sir. I mean, it's... It's uh, an honor. Absolute honor. I think I think there'll be more of them. Good Hopefully stuff. Hopefully you're involved in every other heart of the horse <laughs> I from, would love uh, it. I would year love it. One It'd be a great, quote-unquote, so. excuse to come to Canada, right? There we go. We'd love to have you. Thank All you. All right, Dustin. Thank you. In this next segment, we got to hear from Kylie Bartell, who is a fan of Let Freedom Reign podcast and a spectator of Heart of the Horse. Kylie's resume and formal education is very impressive. And currently, she is focusing on some equine programs that help at-risk youth. Here are some takeaways from Kylie Bartell after attending Heart of the Horse. So we've just wrapped the first inaugural Heart of the Horse here in Nanton, Alberta. Um, I am here with Kylie Bartell, who is a huge fan here at Heart of the Horse and actually a fan of Let Freedom Reign podcast and an avid listener. Absolutely. Um, Kylie, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you're tied into this horse business and this horse world, and then we'll get into your experiences here at Heart of the Horse. Totally. Well, I have been an avid horse lover my whole life, and just to be around watching these great talents is a complete inspiration. Um, I would say I've always been kind of a hobby horse person uh, and never really a big professional person, um, but my my passion for horses kind of intersects with my training in school being in counseling psychology. So I did a bachelor's degree in communications and then a master's degree in counseling psychology. Impressive. And yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I like school. So I figured I would I would try to embrace that yeah. wave as far as it would take yeah. me. And, uh, and so my real passion is kind of this intersection where... I love um, understanding the human mind and how do we create wellness for human beings. Uh, and the horses are just so empowering and amazing for helping bring out the best in ourselves or reflecting to us areas where we need to grow. 
What you just described is an absolute mission here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Totally. And uh, it's exciting to hear other people's passion, especially yours. Your, your formal education might be a little bit more intimidating than most. But uh, <laughs> we definitely appreciate all the work that you're doing in the field to help people, obviously, through horsemanship and with horses. It's impressive. For sure. So let's transition to Heart of the Horse. Yeah. How did you find out about it? How did you get interested in it? Well, I think I found about it. I found out about it on Instagram. Um, I found out about Let Freedom Reign on Instagram <laughs> and I found through some different trainers with Miles Kingdon and Jonathan Field. Yeah. All of a sudden people are tagging these different events and I was kind of just hooked and interested. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of at a point in my career where I've always been a hobby horse person. I'm really trying to build up my um, skills with horses. Yeah. And so, yeah, I uh, found out about Heart of the Horse and uh, a good friend of mine also um, was coming by and we just decided to make a weekend of it and take in as much information and inspiration as we could. So, so you caught two day, two out of the three days, correct? Yes. Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, okay. you bet. So after watching these gentlemen work in the arena and all the educational experiences, what are kind of some of your takeaways? What does Heart of the Horse mean to you? It's a really great question. I was thinking a little bit about like what was my uh, real draw for this idea. And I was really excited about the idea of Heart of the Horse because... Um, a lot of times um, you can see in colt starting competitions, there isn't a lot of time or, or horses are kind of pushed through phases in order to get certain jobs done. Um, and so I think, you know, I think sometimes like the eyes are the window to the soul when it comes to humans and animals too. Yeah, and absolutely. so something that I really was trying to pay attention to in this competition was where are the horses looking, where are their mind, where's their thoughts. And some of my favorite moments actually, because they're in this structure, there was more time. And actually they had in their two and a half hours of training time, they had mandatory breaks, yeah. which from a psychology perspective is so important yeah. for learning. You can't yeah. just power through for two and a half hours. You have to take breaks. You have yeah. to let your mind just like chill for a moment Very to really so. take things in right? for it both people and horses. It's so important. So I think my favorite moments were actually just the moments when trainers would stop and just like make that contact, eye contact and look at their horses and be like, you're doing good, buddy. Like, keep it up. Like, rewarding that try. Um, because that truly, I think, fosters that um, courage and bravery and, and confidence in the heart of the horse. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it's definitely difficult as a horseman to be comfortable with stopping, right? Yeah. So much of human nature is you find success, you build on it. You find yeah. success, you build on it. And you that's find what success, gets rewarded right? in our yeah. culture so many times. Can you get it done? Yeah. If not all too bad. But yeah. it's like, ah, uh, you know what? I think... I think you can get more done with relationship than you yeah. can by pushing things through sometimes. No, an mm -hmm. absolutely incredible event. We're very blessed to be up here and be a part of this event. Thank yeah. you very much for your time with <laughs> Let Freedom Rain podcast and following all our episodes. This and, is so cool. And I'm your so contribution. No, this I is great. You guys, this yeah. is really fun. Good Super stuff. Cool. Well, awesome. anything that you would like to thank Nikki for oh. in the end? You know what's crazy? She. I haven't actually met her in person yet, mm -hmm. but I got to watch her demonstrations and what she does with her Liberty work. And, and I've got a little bit of a background in comedy improv and performing in events and things like that. And, and more so in sports marketing events, that's something I've yeah. kind of had some experience in, but the way that she shows up and showcases, um, just how much she cares for her horses and then puts it together with music. There's a feel to it that yeah. like, I, oh my, I can just feel the emotion welling <laughs> up and like creeping into the corners of my eyes. And that's yeah. a powerful thing. I think in a world where a lot of times we go through just, chugging through doing day by day a yeah. little bit numbed out some of the time just to get by and when she performs it's just like you yeah the performance something. last night was just absolutely incredible how she covered the history of horsemanship oh, and man. how it started and what it's transitioned into and all the performances totally and all the disciplines covered mm -hmm. i mean it was very 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 insightful to watch it was up so inspiring on. and i think sometimes like when you can get kind of bogged down in the journey of your horses and stuff it, i think one of the most beautiful gifts these events can give us is a new perspective of what could be yeah and sometimes yeah. I think that that thing takes you, you take that back to your place and your horse. And if you've been in a little bit of a stuck spot, like that inspiration can really 
um, get you through some kind of frustrating days when no, you might just be ready to go and pick a new hobby. Been an absolute incredible event. Well, again, we thank you very much for your support of Heart of the Horse and your support of Let Freedom Reign podcast. Oh, and for sure. Maybe next year we'll get back up here and do it again. I sure hope so. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Have Thanks, a good Jason. one. You too. Next up is event contributor Alicia Bradburn. A huge thank you is in order to Alicia for all the positive response that we have gotten from the Miles Kingdon episode some months back. We owe all the credit to Alicia for making that connection between Let Freedom Reign podcast and Miles. Throughout my few weeks in Canada, I was able to spend a couple hours with Miles at his ranch and had some great conversations about the horse and life. Here is Alicia Bradburn. So we are here with Alicia Bradburn who is an avid fan of Heart of the Horse and actually listens to Let Freedom Reign podcast. I thank you. I think you're one of two listeners that I have in, in total. Um, I do want to thank you before we get started. You did make the introduction with Miles Kingdon some months ago, and that was a very, very successful podcast. Miles is an incredible human being, and we're actually on our way to Miles' place here in the next few days. So I wanted to thank you before we get started for all your help and support of the show and, mm, and effort in spreading the word. But let's talk about your experience here at Heart of the Horse. We are done. We just had our championship round. Glenn Stewart was crowned the champion. Mm-hmm. Um, what did this event mean to you? What did you take away from it? And, and we'll just let you speak on behalf of Heart of the mm-hmm. Horse. Yeah, um, I was really excited. I actually heard about it through um, your interview with Nikki. Uh-huh. And I really feel like it was a God thing, Jason. I was just kind of at a point where I was... I'm very interested in putting on events and I was kind of searching yeah. and then that happened to be the one like, and it was at that time. Really? So I listened to it as it was coming out. We can always thank God's timing, right? Yes. It's always better than ours. Exactly. <laughs> so I was inspired by that to reach out to Nikki mm-hmm. and she's amazing and generous and gracious. And I was so surprised to hear back from her pretty quickly. And she said, absolutely come and help. I told her what, my intention was that I just wanted to learn and shadow her, um, kind of have aspirations to do something similar. Yeah. Um, but I was just really blown away because she's um, a very busy lady on top of having her three kids, her horses working on Heartland and her own yeah. um, touring yeah. to rodeos. Like I, I was blown away that she was gracious enough. I to, don't know if like eating or sleep or drinking or anything like that is budgeted. I don't for know how her she schedule, does it. Cause she is flying around this place the last three days and it's incredible yeah. that she's gotten all done that she has. Yeah. And, and then uh, she's just beautiful and humble and kind about it all. She's been so generous, obviously, inviting us up here, and, yes. and it's been incredible for her to take a chance on such a small podcast, right, and just getting yeah. our, our boots on the ground and getting started. So yeah. what were some of the what were some of the joys, what were some of the takeaways for you in this week and or this weekend watching watching all the, the educational material and the training being done? Um I think seeing God's gifts in people was just incredible. The three trainers, um, Glenn Stewart, Dan James, and Matt Robertson that presented were all so different, um, but so incredible, each one of them. And getting to watch that variety and like just have deep admiration for each person, like there wasn't um, a right or wrong way to it. Just different styles, right? Um, So that that stood out to me as well as just of course heart of the horse like the versatility and um adaptability and athleticism of horses um what they'll do for us and just when they had the um the evening show on saturday it was phenomenal to see all the different disciplines 
because that again just showcased what horses can do. I think it was do. incredible how she's this whole event, right? Titled Heart of the Horse, like mm-hmm. everything that Nikki has done, mm-hmm. everything from yeah. the demos and the clinics yeah. and the colt starting mm-hmm. and the, the the performance last night, it was mm-hmm. all spot on. Yes. I mean, it was it was immaculate, an yes. immaculate week. I mean, put on to a T and mm-hmm. and all of the headaches and nerves and wonders of a first time event. Yes. I mean, my hat's off to Nikki and Dustin yes. and everybody who's been a part of this event. It's just been an absolute incredible experience. Yes. I had the pleasure of working um, the front door and tickets. And so I got to see people come and go and the amount of positive feedback was amazing. Oh, so you guys are probably pretty busy up there because I'm at the south end of the arena <laughs> looking over the concourse, right? And all the yeah. seats. And it was every day. It just seemed to grow exponentially, right? We yes. had the Friday evening uh, events and then Saturday and then here Sunday. I mean, we were literally standing room only. Yes, it was very busy. It was a demanding demanding little place to be but also really fun because people were really happy and excited and to have it here like right here in alberta you know it was just awesome incredible well alicia i thank you very very much for your support of our show of course Um, always being an advocate and always Mm -hmm. helping bring great guests to the show and spread the word here in canada for us and thank Mm -hmm. you for your support of heart of the horse if there was anything that you could thank nikki for what would it be the opportunity to be a part of it they're incredible people and i just almost felt like part of their family very very gracious Mm -hmm. very gracious yeah it was really inspiring to get to be around nikki good stuff well alicia we wish you the best in your future events if there's anything that we can do here at let freedom rain podcast to help you out you do let us know thank you jason for doing what you do thank you okay now as mentioned many times over throughout this show the timeline at heart of the horse was extremely fast-paced there was a lot these competitors had to get done in a very short time frame Glenn and I had many conversations early in the mornings of the events, but Glenn had to get off to work, and I had to set up for the booth. After Glenn was awarded the inaugural Heart of the Horse champion, we got to sit down at the steakhouse there at Silver Slate Arena and have a little conversation about the event. Here is a horseman I have much admiration for, Mr. Glenn Stewart. So here we are. The inaugural Heart of the Horse is done. We're settled on Championship Sunday with the winner, Glenn Stewart. Glenn, thank you very much for making time for us. I know the time frame was extremely tight the whole weekend, and there were several instances where we were supposed to conduct interviews and the time you just didn't allow for, but now we get to sit down here in the steakhouse after it's all settled um, with a decent-sized check in your pocket and, and taking home victory number one for Heart of the Horse. How does it feel? It feels fantastic. I had a, an amazing weekend. Uh, I was surrounded by amazing people. Nikki Flunder put on an unbelievable event. I've been doing these events for uh, 10 or 12 years, different events, you know, whether it's cold starting or, you know, some sort of a some sort of a horsemanship event of, yeah. some, of yeah. some kind or sort. And this is her first one that she's put on, <clears throat> and I guarantee you it is one of the best. She has really put on, if you, if you haven't seen it, you need to come and see it. And that's, I can't wait to get home and tell people about this event and putting it as a must-see or an absolute to-do on your list of things to do. Um, I don't have the experience that you have, obviously, competing in a lot of these events. This is the first time I've been an attendee of an event like this. So how has this event differed from, from other events? Like, what, what makes Nikki's event so much more special? 
she's got a production team here like <clears throat> like excuse me like no other i've seen she's got music she's got light she's got pyro um i was jokingly saying i was at more meetings this weekend <laughs> <laughs> for what we had to do and when we had to do it and just how we yeah. needed to do it yeah. i was at more meetings than i have in my whole life i think but <clears throat> it was absolutely well worth it it's her first event, and she really knocked it out of the park. It was fantastic. And to me, it seemed, as from a spectator's <clears throat> perspective, right, it seems like a lot of the other events, um, and this isn't to speak badly of anybody, but a lot of the other events might place the entertainment value a little bit higher than the actual horsemanship in the list of priorities. And here it seemed like all of your sessions that you, you constructed or conducted with these Colts um, was very true or a lot more true to how it would be conducted at the ranch. Yeah, she's she's uh, even the the final day in the course that she set up. It was absolutely all ranchy type stuff, you know. Yeah. Like um, she really catered. We're in cowboy country here. This yeah. is this is the heart of cowboy country down yeah. here in Alberta, and uh, there was there was people all the way around me, 360 degrees behind me, in front of me, on my left and on my right. That I'm quite humbled by. Like these guys are some hands. They they. They can get stuff done. I want to go hang out with them. I want to go see what they do. I want to learn from them guys. And they're sitting here in the stands watching. And uh, so it's it's uh, it's kind of a one-of-a-kind deal. I'm really, really honored and grateful to be part of it. I was going to say, I feel so blessed to be a part of number one and just to be here in the presence of, of all the competitors and all the spectators. It's just been an absolute phenomenal experience. And all the hospitality has been great. And eventually we'll get to your championship round, but let's talk about Colt selections, right? They bring a half dozen horses into the arena, run them around. You guys get about two minutes, right, per round of selection. Um, let's talk about the horses you selected and maybe why you selected them. Uh, yeah, so we do get the, a short little period of time to do it. And we kind of switched it up at the last minute and said, hey, can you just run those horses by us? You know, just bring mm -hmm. them in, bring the, hit, let the cowboys do what they do and bring those horses by so we can watch six head of horses move through the the pen and around the arena and whatnot. And what I look for is I, I want to see where that horse is in the herd. I want to see, you know, when they go cantering around, I want to see is one kind of you know, one spark out there, get, you know, squirt out yeah. more so than the others. I want to see if they're picking up their right leads or left leads, where their head's at, how they're built. So you're trying to see that in just a few minutes. You're trying to pick through six set of horses and uh, you, know, you swing them to the right. Did they just automatically pick up that right lead? How do they move? Do they look like something I'd want to ride? You know, they look mm -hmm. smooth. They mm -hmm. look like they're rough. Um, are they cross -firing? So I'm looking for things like that. Um, when I'm picking my horse, uh, size of them too. These guys were two and a half year old horses, and so I'm looking for the size of the horse, how he's built, you know. And, you and know, most of them were fairly equally matched, right? Physically, pretty close. Right? Yeah, yeah. There was a little bit, little differences in them, but pretty close. There yeah. wasn't no runs in the bunch per se, no, or anything no. that was exceptionally larger than anything else. Yeah, right? they try to bring in pretty yeah. evenly matched horses. Yeah. yeah. So Friday night was kind of the first first event, right? First round per se. Uh, you were granted 15 minutes to work with each of your two selections, right? Talk us through a little bit about what you were looking for, what you're trying to accomplish in that 15-minute span. So I've got an absolute game plan when I come in there. Like I've, in my head, I'm not just like, you know, I have an idea, or, you know, a plan of what I'm going to attempt to do. The horse will change that in a heartbeat. Correct. And I'll come in Correct. there and I go, okay, this plan's out the window with this <laughs> Sometimes deal. the best plan is to show up the arena, right, without yeah. a plan because the horse is oftentimes yeah. changing that. Yeah, you can always have a plan, but you can always change yeah, it. Absolutely. And so 
literally they both did change my plan and I didn't get to what I was planning on doing, but that that's fine. Um, I still had, it's unbelievable what you can figure out in a horse in 15 minutes. If you're, you know, 15 minutes of the horse, you can know a lot about that horse. Um, so yeah, when I got him in there, I just started checking on some things and just seeing how flighty he was, what, what, uh, you know, how hard he was going to be to catch. And, uh, and I did get them both caught. Um, and then I will say, if I get up against this horse and put, I like putting a lot of me on the horse. I, you know, I say like, I want to get a lot of my body up against the horse, mm-hmm. but, but my leg down his front leg, you know, put my hip on his shoulder, put my arm over his withers. I'm trying to get a lot of myself up against that horse to see what he thinks about this whole deal. Mm-hmm. And there was a definite difference in the two of them. The one was, was, he was almost, uh, grateful for it and the other one was real defensive about it yes and he would throw his shoulder into me and he'd just bolt through the air when i when my hip touched his shoulder he flew through the air and uh and he uh, got pretty you know wide-eyed and and uh, so there's quite a difference in the two horses the personalities, there. Yeah. yeah and the size is different too the so the one i chose was a bigger horse so that horse uh there's a lot of talkings. That horse actually went, they, they put it in the round pen, right? And that horse actually went airborne, right? Cleared he the did. panels, busted up a panel. Yeah. Um, and at face value, I think the uneducated eye might, might look down on that, right? Um, that, horse is, that horse is herd bound, not paying attention, flighty, scared, whatever, right? To me, I look at that horse and I think if that horse is so drawn to its, its herd members, right, and it's willing to fight like that for something that it believes in, what happens when it believes in you as the clinician, as the trainer, as the human, as the handler? right um what was your approach what was your take on a horse like that with that presentation yeah so he he did he took off and he took a run at the fence and and did his best to jump it and and knock the panels down and and off he went there and so yeah a lot of people put a whole lot of stock into that like that was a big deal to me it wasn't a big deal no whatever whatever i I was not even surprised one little bit that one of those horses wasn't going to do it so it just happened to be the one that i i had you just got it yeah but i didn't bother me uh you know i was not concerned about it all so it's a perfect normal prey animal behavior you get separated from your herd your herd's all leaving you're standing there in a pen in the, in the middle of an arena that you've never been in before you're going to get excited and, yeah. and you're going to try to jump out no big deal um so uh, yeah so as far as him doing that it just it didn't I, that was not even a consideration for me. Whatever, we'll get him back in the pen. And like you said, um, you know, whether he was fighting for him, the herd or himself, or, you know, whether he was going to fight for me, I don't, I, you know, I can't say that. I don't know. But, but I, I do know that all horses, once they figure out that you're there to do something with them and for them rather than to them, it's going to be, it's going to come around for you. So regardless whether he jumped the fence or not, I had the same game plan again. Well, he jumped the, he jumped the panels and took off and made a great show, but it doesn't, <laughs> didn't really mean nothing at the end of the day. Exactly. Exactly. So as the week goes on, you guys are granted a couple, two hour sessions with the horse, right? And you had a 45 minute session with the horse, uh, isolated by yourselves. Um, Kind of talk us through, I know in previous episodes, right, you were featured on here on Love Freedom Rain podcast, and we talked about a lot about your training methods and principles and progressions, um, but how did you apply a lot of that today, or excuse me, over the last weekend in, in getting this horse prepared for today? So every horse is a little different. 
and and I like to apply this confidence, respect, and understanding sort of approach to things. And if a horse understands, you're going to give him a lot of confidence. If a horse understands, he's going to be fairly respectful. And um, so you've got to build his confidence. When they see you, when you show up on the scene, a human shows up on the scene, they don't look at you as like, oh, there's the new guy on the yeah. block. There's my teacher. He just showed up. You know, they look at you as a predator, and 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 they need to learn to learn. So I mentioned that in the over the weekend the horses need to learn to learn from humans so uh, I show up and, and start you know trying to show him that I'm trying to teach him something and I'm trying to give him some confidence because if they're if they're lacking on a whole bunch of confidence your horses he can't learn he's too busy being worried you know he's too busy looking for the herd or you know yeah, being scared of absolutely. this that, or the other thing so 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 I've got to do a, a balance of confidence respect and understanding I got to balance that out. So I've always got to put the. Ba- I've always got to be understandable from the horse's perspective, not my perspective, and not the neighbor's perspective, not my grandpa's perspective. I don't care anybody else's perspective. I got to be understandable from the horse's perspective, and I've always got to be watching him to go. Did he understand that? Did he get it? Because if he does, he will gain a ton of respect uh, and confidence. His confidence will go through the roof, and his respect will go through the roof. So if I can just keep balancing it, but sometimes you just like at the at the. Um, we're going to lose a little confidence here because I'm, I, what I'm going to have to do is going to he's going to lose a little confidence. So I'm going mm-hmm. to have to get a little bit firm with him here because he's shouldering through me. He's running mm-hmm. through me at these rivers. So I'm going to have to do something. I have to go up in my phases and yes. get a little firmer yes. with him, which another horse would do. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's just absolutely normal for horses. But at the end of the day, they will respect it and they will gain confidence from him because you, it's a juggling match. Like he, if to begin with, he's not even looking to you for anything. Yeah. Then all of a sudden he goes, "Okay, like, hey, you're doing some stuff here." So then he's got to figure out uh, that you're going to be that he he's got to get to the point where he's going to allow you to be the leader. So you have to earn that spot. It's not a given spot because I bought him or anything like that. Is that because he's in my round pen and suddenly I'm I get to be the leader? No, no, no. You go earn your spot, you earn your stripes, and uh, so that's what you got to do, do with the horse. And so and some and so when you're working on your confidence, oftentimes horses you they'll get kind of confident. They they get over the worry part and they get confident with you. And so then they start pushing on you a little bit. They go, yeah, well you don't scare me anymore. So let's see if I can push yeah, on no, you. Yeah, I'm gonna a try bit. this. Yeah, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna push on a little bit. So then you got to ease on through that to say, well, I don't want you to lose your confidence. However, I do need you to move your shoulder. I need you to remove your ribs, your your hip, whatever whatever it may being be. Asked, you know, yeah. Give me your nose, you know, and. You know, if we're going to do anything with horses, anytime, anywhere, if horses, if they're going to be in our care, they need to take our guidance. They got to allow us to guide them. You know, yeah. otherwise, you might as well just get out of there and let them do whatever the heck they want to do. But, but they got to allow us to guide them. So you got to get to that spot where they go, yeah, okay, you're, you're worthy of guiding me. It was very fun to watch from the booth. Uh, our, our booth location was on the concourse overlooking the arena. It was great to watch some of those early moments, as early as that 15-minute session, right? That first kind of assessment and and the very early stages of your two-hour sessions working with these horses. It was great to watch you establish that connection and and kind of iron out that learning process between you and the horse. And we spoke earlier in the weekend about how you're definitely laying the foundation of learning. You're you're setting setting the stage. It's almost a chess match, right? You're setting up that horse in a, in a way that he has no idea what's coming. And when you decide to push the envelope and get this horse ready, um, you're going to improve it in, in strides and leaps and bounds, right, compared to other people who might not necessarily focus on that learning process or that relationship. So 
obviously everything ended up working out in the end. Let's talk about Championship Sunday here. Um, you were granted 35 minutes. You were starting with your horse in a round pen. Let's talk a little bit about what was asked of you and how you went through that process and, and kind of your approach and your assessment in the championship round. I've got a serious... I always say if you're going to be getting down with a horse, you better be consistent. I always say you better be disciplined. Whatever I would expect of my horse, I better expect of myself. I can't jump around like chicken on a hot stove. Yeah, it's, I it's, have to it's be It's a very simple approach, but it's hard to stick by, right? It, discipline it, is a difficult thing. Discipline is huge. Very difficult. You can, you can, there's a million reasons why you could just give up on your discipline. Oh, I'm just going to do it this way or I'm going to change this and do that. You, you have to absolutely do discipline. So I don't care what the time limit is. I don't care how many people are watching or what the situation is. You need to follow your program. You need to be confident in what your program is and follow your pro- program to the letter. Do it as as best as you possibly can and with the outcome of the horses is what we're you know we're trying to have the horse's best interest at the end of the day that's what we're trying to do i want the horse's interest to be the best at the end of the day but i i I would be a big 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 old liar if i said i didn't want to win you darn right so i want to win that's why you show up right the competition is in the title for a reason i i show up actually first and foremost to improve we've Mm -hmm. we've gone over that before that's the first reason i'm here second reason i want to win yeah. So I'm not coming here to fall, mess around. Mm-hmm. I'm coming here to be serious about it, but mm-hmm. I do want to improve, and I want to win. But I'm not going to do it at the expense of the horse. So I have to be disciplined, and I have to watch my horse to see what he needs and what he doesn't need. So when I get into that 35 minutes at the end of the day, and you know you got a course that he's got to go do all these things, you know, open and close gates, and we here we had to move a cow into a pen, and it was really fun. You yeah. had to rope something off him and drag something off him, and, you know, it was Go over bridges. The events were absolutely incredible. It was awesome. It was really yeah. fun. And uh, so I'm thinking, well, what does he need from me so that I can get this job done? So that so that he can feel comfortable and, and, and you never know because the the you might have you might have prepared him for this uh, going across a bridge or something, but their bridge is completely different and sounds completely different and everything else. You never know about these horses and what they're going to react when that foot hits the bridge. And they you have such be ready. a small window of training, right? I mean, totally. literally hours, it, it, just a handful of hours, right? Totally. They got to trust that what you're asking them to do is going to be okay. So yeah. when you're doing your previous things, you're asking them to do all these things uh, often. I don't know if I said this before or not, and I don't know if it's if it's legal. uh, (laughs) well here we go folks here we go ladies and gentlemen i'm sorry but uh in today's age it seems like uh you know nobody should be uncomfortable no nobody should have any stress nobody should be anxious nobody should be nothing nothing there's a whole whole world and of what people call horsemanship i would not call it horsemanship so please don't hate me for saying this but i don't call it horsemanship because horses get stressed whether i'm around or not they got to learn to deal with it just like humans humans have stress in their lives you cannot you cannot protect horses and or yourself and, and your kids and everything else from everything that might be coming down the pipes people try and what i believe it happens is you you get it you end up with a horse that ain't worth much i don't want them because i can't i can't count on my horse i tell people all the time horsemanship is not a hug no there's a lot more to it's it it's a than lot that. more than to a hug yeah. and if you're if you don't have much of a horse if that's what your game plan is yeah. so you're just gonna coax him <clears> into everything 
we get stressed, I get stressed, my horses get stressed, and it's okay. Yeah. It's not it's not a big deal. And we I need think, to learn to deal with it. And I think Nikki's format was very conducive to that, right? They they gave you the reins per se to do what you wish, right? But there was the caveat and the protections and the rules written in, right? That if you cross Absolutely. that boundary, yeah. you're gonna get warned on it, right? Yeah. You start crossing that boundary a second and third time, yeah. well you might as well start packing your trailer yeah. and you're done, right? Yeah. Because we're not gonna compromise safety for the horse. That being said, there are times, right? There's going to be confrontation. There's going to be contention. There's going to be stress and pressure. Well, you come up to the end of the day thing. He hasn't seen all the stuff, and yeah. now he's asked to do it. Yeah. Can he handle it like a like a superstar, or is he going to be curled up in a corner in a puddle, yeah. tears running down his eyes, with snot feelings. running out of his nose with hurt feelings? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Or is he going to rise to exactly. the occasion? So I want a horse that's going to be there for me, and I'm going to be there for him. It's, 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 it's like you set him up in, for that when you're working with the horses. I want to be that human yes and i want my horses to be yes. that horse i want the horse that if i need you for something you're there even if you haven't seen it yes. i'm not going to do de- i'm not going to protect him and hide him from everything and i'm not going to hide myself from it i expect that from myself i expect that from my horse and one of these deals like this he don't know what's coming and i gotta i gotta set him up so that he don't care what's coming he's, he's like bring it yes no a- I, I will tell you this uh watching your performance that horse was more than prepared. I mean, there was, what is it, a half a dozen events maybe. I, one event was moving a slicker from one fence to another fence post, right, or s- simulating that, right? Then you had to drag a little bit of a sled while you're dallied on a horn, ro- rope a steer, right, or something representative of a steer, cross a bridge, cross a tarp covered in leaves, pen a cow. Uh, what else do we got? You had to yeah, walk through trees. Gates and yes. go over tarp with a bunch of Cover all of the gates, tarp, right, transitions yeah. in and out of. There's a lot being asked of these horses mm-hmm. in that 35-minute Pick up the right lead, wheel. right lead, yeah. left lead, walk, trot, canter. To include Stand, the saddling saddle, and unsaddling getting process. Getting on and off on both sides, yeah. yeah. There was a lot of ground to cover in, in a championship round, and I'll tell you what, the one thing I was listening to in the stands, everybody spoke of how smooth your horse was through all of the trans- transitions and progressions through the event. How did you feel that horse did coming off of your 35 minutes in that championship round? I thought he was a superstar. I just I thought he was a superstar. I know the pressure that I feel in it. Yeah. Pressure is a good thing. Yeah. People feel that pressure is a bad thing. Not everybody. Obviously, pressure is a good thing. That, you know, what do they say? You want to make diamonds yeah. squeeze some yeah. Yeah. coal. Yeah. You know, and you're going to yeah. get a diamond. Incredible right? amounts of pressure. It gets you out of your comfort zone, and it, it makes something of you. So he did it like he'd been doing it his whole life. You know, he's like, whatever, let's go across the bridge, let's go across the tarp, let's go drag that sled that I've never seen before. Let, you can go ahead and rope the dummy, I'll go over and open the gate, Now I'm going to move the cow and the pen. He acts like he's been doing this his whole life. Well, it's the first time he's seen it. Well, who would you rather be? human or horse who would you rather be the one that's having a panic attack and curled up in the corner shivering and shaking or the brave one that walks out there and just gets the job done so to me I want to develop a horse like that and I want to put the same rules and principles applied in myself and it absolutely showed and in closing for our time here I want to be respectful of your time um what would you thank Nikki for? I mean, Nikki has put thousands of hours into this. Her and Dustin flew all over this place this whole weekend trying to get prepared for this event and make sure that it ran without a hitch. Um, the Flunders are some incredible people. What would you thank Nikki and Dustin for if given the opportunity? Uh, there's a list of things I would think I would thank them for. Like I said earlier, I've been to a bunch of these different events, different, you know, not necessarily Colts, but events that people, I've organized lots of events. Mm-hmm. They pulled out all the stops. I mean, they brought in the best uh, commentators, announcers, music, 
pyro, special effects. Um, we had meeting after meeting to keep us all, you know, yeah. on time yeah, and absolutely. do what we needed to do. And there is nothing easy about putting on an event. You stick your neck out, you put all the finances and, you know, you put all that work into it for for whatever it is, six months, a year, whatever it is, you put all this in, and then you cross your fingers and hope. And uh, I guarantee you for the first event, it was off the charts. This will go big. This this is you I've can mark my words. I've been telling people the whole entire weekend. This is changing this is gonna the be industry. Huge. This, this is, is going to be the biggest one in game. Canada. Yeah, this will hands be, down. Yeah. yeah, no question. Well, Glenn, I thank you very much for your time. It was an incredible weekend watching you get to work a little bit. I thank you for all your support of the show, all the hospitality, and your your kind family treated my family well. And hopefully, <laughs> there's a the, there's more to come for us. I hope so, Jason. It's been a pleasure meeting you in person instead yes, of sir. just talking over the yes, phone. Yes, yes, yes. Congratulations yeah. to Glenn Stewart the inaugural champion here at Heart of the Horse. Because of the extremely busy nature of both Nikki and I's schedule, it took nearly two weeks for us to cross paths again to have this conversation about Heart of the Horse. Now, throughout the entire event, I was absolutely amazed how this idea had come to light, and it was impressive to sit there and watch everything come to life over the three days of Heart of the Horse. There's no doubt that Nikki poured her heart and soul into this event, and Heart of the Horse will forever change the horse industry for the better. We cannot thank Nikki enough for all the opportunities she has created for us here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We are so excited to see what 2020 has to offer, but here is Nikki Flundra's recap of the inaugural 2019 Heart of the Horse. (laughs) Uh, So here we are, Nikki. It is a couple weeks post Heart of the Horse. Is it fair to say that the dust is settled or are you still somewhat riding that high? Um, Yes, the dust has settled. Um, Just been... You know, working away at wrapping up some loose ends for for um, finishing, you know, the last few things off and taking care of that. And, but, yeah, the dust has settled and kind of had a chance to sit back and reflect on it a little bit. And so, yeah, it's good. Well, hopefully in the next uh, half an hour or so we can kind of elaborate on some of that reflection. But before we get started, I want to thank you for extending the offer and facilitating us attending the show. It was an absolutely amazing opportunity. It was incredible to watch all the horsemanship, such an educational experience. And definitely I've told everybody since leaving the show, Heart of the Horse is a must-see event at least once in a lifetime. Oh, well, thank you very much, Jason. It was really an honor for our event to have you there and for you to make the effort to come all the way up to Canada from California was um, just, I mean, what an amazing thing. And I can't thank you enough for, uh, for not only doing that, but for, you know, helping us so much along the way and getting the, getting it out there. And, and uh, we were really happy to have you on board with us. So I was going to say no pressure, but obviously we're going to have to have a heart of the horse in 2020 or all these people I'm telling to go are going to have nowhere to go. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, we are. um, Plans are full steam ahead for next year. Um, We will be, you know, making our announcements hopefully by the end of the month. Um, And yeah, we're excited. So. One thing I want to get to, and we touched on it uh, briefly in your first episode here at Let Freedom Rain Podcast, and I think it was off air after the episode, but you halfway mentioned, you know, this idea of heart of the horse and kind of what you wanted it to be. 
What does it feel like now that it's all said and done? I mean, all the thousands of hours and everybody that's invested <sighs> to make the event what it is. I mean, at any point, did you get to take that one deep breath and just sit back and soak it all in? Um, I did, actually. I had a couple of moments like that um, where I actually had, you know, a minute or two to sit back and just and just watch it all. And it was kind of a surreal moment for me because it was, I mean, probably not thousands. Well, maybe, but definitely hundreds of hours of um, work and effort that went into putting it all together and, and to sit back and, and kind of see, like, see a dream realized is really what it was for me. And on the final Sunday, I, um, I went to check on my kids up with my mom in the stands and, and had to feed the baby and hold the baby for a minute. And I just took a minute to kind of just watch and take it all in. And, and, um, I watched, I, it just was like crazy to think that, um, we were on the final day. It was all going off kind of without a hitch and coming together. And yeah, it was crazy actually. I was going to say, for those who didn't attend, I mean, the amount of work that went into constructing the arena, breaking down the arena, right? All the round pens for all the contestants to compete in, and then mm -hmm. all the effort going into the show. The one challenge that I think is so crazy that people don't even consider is a lot of that show Saturday night was done in a dark arena. So for mm -hmm. teams to set up and hit their mark and horses to perform with spotlights in their eyes and all the little stuff, right, that people don't necessarily yeah. consider if you're not yeah. a horseman. Uh, it was absolutely a blessing to to watch it all come to light. And like you said, what seemed to be without a hitch. Yeah, I mean, we had some, you know, there was a few moments where we were hustling to put little fires out here and there. But it was um, a really ambitious um, program. We had, like, every moment was jam-packed and we had a lot of different things going going on and and a lot of different elements that had to be considered to to make it all happen everything from arena setup to um just making everything work s smoothly from the trade show vendors to the clinicians to you know even just the paperwork that you know went into it and oh, making yeah. the rules and regulations and scoring sheets and um things that were happening on the video screen and that like there there were so many elements but it was um it, it did come together really well and it was um we had a really great team of people in place and i am so grateful for everybody that bailed in um to help put it together and i was really really fortunate um, from the get-go to have a gal and she just did a, a episode with you, Kimberly Dunn, yes. um, amazing horse trainer and yes. she's from the UK and she's had spent the summer with us and, and planned to stay until after the event so that she could help me uh, not only with the kids, but with some of the horse stuff and some of the production elements. And she was kind of my, um, my right hand through all of it. And she, I mean, she did an incredible job. I could not have done it without her. And my husband was right from the, right from the beginning, um, bailed in with whatever we needed to, to do to make the event happen. So I was really, really lucky to have, um, really great help. And then a team of, um, you know, awesome volunteers and friends that came to, you know, 
take tickets at the door and, you know, all kinds of things that um, I'm really lucky to have the friends and the people in my life that I do. So for people, I mean, I'm sure there's some listeners that, that don't know what the event is or didn't attend the event. So Heart of the Horse was a three-day cult starting competition. I truly believe after attending it, you're going to change the game of cult starting. Um, explain to people kind of what your intentions were with putting on this event and then maybe what some of the goals were after the fact, right, to take it to the next level. Yeah, I, well, I just, I wanted it to be, um, I guess in a way I wanted it to be more than just a cult starting competition. My goal was always to educate people um, with amazing trainers, clinics, um, different ideas on horsemanship. I really wanted to um, educate people in different and entertaining ways. But more than that, I wanted to inspire people. And I wanted people to see how horses can uh, really and truly benefit people's lives and bring so many positive things and in so many different ways. So I looked at putting together not just um, a wide range of competitors that kind of I knew had different styles and different ways to educate people, but I brought in um, Amberly Snyder as a guest speaker to tell her story and to show how horses have have really, um, you know, helped her through such a trying time. For people that don't know Amberly, she um, is a professional barrel racer that was in a motor vehicle accident several years ago and she's gone on to compete in professional rodeo and she talked a lot about how horses helped her get through that and 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 the course that her took that her life has taken has been really a remarkable one because of horses and now she goes out and speaks to people and inspires them motivates them and shows them um you know, that no matter your circumstance, you can, you know, make the best of it. And, and her perspective is just incredible. Um, so with her and the trainers and the clinics and, um, we had Amber Marshall who I've worked with for years on Heartland came in to do, um, a signing and a bit of a, a guest speech. And, and I know she's inspired a ton of people in the horse industry. Um, ton of young girls to fall in love with horses and um i just think it's important in this day and age to um to showcase the horse and to keep that um to keep the word out there and to keep it strong and to keep people excited about it and to keep the industry um thriving i think that um i think we need to educate and entertain and inspire and that's what i really set out to do i was going to say if those were your goals you absolutely crushed it cuz <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> well thank you that yeah that was kind of that was that was the idea so hopefully and everybody went walked away from it and felt a little bit of all those things what was great to see throughout the event i mean we have all attended I mean, hundreds of thousands, right, between the listeners, hundreds of thousands of different events, right, whether they're competitions or cult startings or barrel racing, jackpots, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. to attend an event such as Heart of the Horse and to see so many people who are genuinely invested in the horse and have a genuine commitment to educating and developing legacy within the world of horsemanship 
it was truly inspiring to see because so many times, especially in these competitions, right, we put that paycheck ahead of the horse and the horse suffers as a result. And yes, for the sake of compressed time and competition, and we can't have a cult starting last or cult starting competition last 30 days and have people attend. um, We did have to mash it all together into two and a half or three days, but to see the competitors work as hard and as diligently as they could and keep the horse a priority was, was immaculate. It was incredible. Yeah. Wasn't that cool? It was, um, yeah, I agree. It was so cool to see, um, not just how invested in the best interest of the horse that the trainers were, but it was so cool to me how, like to watch the people in the stands, how invested they were in in watching the whole thing and in like I I had some people comment after saying like oh we were you know our butts were so sore because we could not get out of our seats for the whole day we did not want to miss a thing like it was just they they were riveted and and that was so cool for me to see and I know that that was because the trainers were so good at what they do and they were so um Yes, the horse always came first, and it was so evident. And, yeah, it was just what a cool – I mean, yeah, it was awesome. For me, sitting up on the concourse in my location, so for the listeners to, to get a better understanding, I was I was on a concourse that was overlooking a grandstand, which obviously overlooked the arena, the arena floor. Uh, sitting up on that concourse, I knew you were onto something special. When we were honestly probably – 45 minutes into Friday evening, maybe an hour into Friday evening, we're just starting the 15-minute assessments with the Colts and the the trainers. Yeah. And you could have heard a pin drop in that arena. It was dead silent, and everybody's attention was on that arena floor. It was just incredible to see the involvement, the excitement, the participation of everybody who attended that event. Yeah, it was really cool. It was fun to watch how um, well-received it was. Um, by the people that attended and it it was obvious that they were a very horse loving crowd and and it was so evident in the way they they were such an educated crowd they knew when something special was happening they knew um the pivotal moments they knew um in great great detail too in great detail like it was so fun that we had such a like a crowd that appreciated that level of training and a crowd that um you know the skill and the talent that the trainers brought forth it was not missed by the audience and that was really that was really cool to me to see how what a great crowd that we we had very special so now that year one is under your belt and (laughs) (laughs) you have all the hurdles that we talked about you know of of the first year and I can't say the struggles I don't think that'd be fair fair connotation to place on it but the challenges faced right in running an event for the first time where are we going in year number two or what are the plans for the next heart of the horse event Oh, I wish I could say already. <laughs> um, we are still in planning stages um, and, you know, taking everything into consideration, looking at the numbers and what, um, where we are going to go from here. And um, I guess everybody's just going to need to stay tuned. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Nikki, I thank you very much for making time for us. I know it's been a 
busy, busy, busy couple weeks for you. Uh, that's why this is taking place two weeks after the event. But again, I can't thank you enough for involving Let Freedom Reign podcast and letting us be a part of your special event, especially the inaugural event, and, and be a part of your journey. It's a, it's an opportunity that we're forever grateful for. Oh, well, I can't thank you enough, Jason. And for you, for you and your family to be there was really special for us and, and all of your support along the way. We appreciate it. Tons. It was incredible. And in closing, where can people follow for information on Heart of the Horse from here on out? Um, yeah, please check out um, either our website, theheartofthehorse.ca, um, or our Instagram page is um, the heart of the dot horse heart of the dot horse and um we have a facebook page as well heart of the horse facebook page um post info on both of our social media sites all the time as well as the website so again nikki congratulations on getting through year number one what an extremely successful event and it's incredible to see how you are changing the game of cold starting oh thanks jason i appreciate it Well, we wish you the best, and we'll talk to you down the road. Sounds great. Thanks, Jason. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.